Welcome to Stories from 400 Feet, the podcast that gives you the inside story on what is happening in the drone industry, from the everyday to the not-so-everyday events that define this industry and push it forward. If a drone flies, we'll be there. Hi, I'm Danielle Gagne. I am Chief Storyteller for Veladis Aerospace, and today I'm joined by Justin Simpkins, Technical Specialist from North America. For Emerson, it's great to have you on the podcast. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah, so I'm a technical specialist with Emerson. If you don't know what that is, we make SLAM-based LiDAR systems. So that's simultaneous localization and mapping. So the LiDAR system itself, right? Fake disco ball shooting out lasers, making a map. And the system is localizing itself in that map in real time. And so we can use that system for autonomous navigation on drone platforms. So let's say like the A-Sport Zoe or an M300, something like that. We can take over the flight controller and we can utilize that for both complete autonomy in GPS denied environments, as well as collision avoidance. And we're avoiding objects down to a millimeter if need be in GPS denied environments, which is a huge area. So a lot of mining, I started off in the service industry, the service side of this. And so what I used to do is I used to, in AL2, which is autonomy level two, you're just setting waypoints and you're more of suggesting to the drone where you would like it to go and it finds its own way out there. So let's take like a ruined pillar mine, for example, where there's no bolts or anything out there that haven't surveyed it since the 1940s. They have no idea what's out there. You can set the drone a few waypoints out there. The drone will navigate its way out there completely safe. You can lose connection. It will continue on its mission. It will return back to you when it needs batteries. And it will return that also. You're getting a live feed point cloud while you're within Wi-Fi range of the unit. So you can make sure there's no blank spots or anything in the map you're making. And how has this been translated to meeting for customers? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. I mean, so to continue on the mining space, it's all about speed and safety. And so if you can avoid sending somebody out there into a dangerous spot, that's fantastic. And also speed plays into that. I mean, there's been so many times in an underground mine back when I was doing services where we would call up, we would radio and say, you know, stop the haul truck from coming down this area. And five seconds later, here comes a haul truck coming to squish me and I'm frantically waving my head to try not to get squashed. So the faster you can get the mine engineers and the surveyors out of harm's way, it means that there's less downtime and it ends up being safer. You're getting them out of harm's way a lot faster and you're getting better data also. So can you talk a little bit about the difference between the better data? Yeah. So, I mean, traditionally what you do is let's take convergence monitoring in the underground environment. For example, what you would traditionally do is you'd go out there with tape measures and a crew and you'd be measuring the ribs of the mine to monitor convergence. Now you can hook it up to a drone send the drone out there, nobody's in harm's way, you get back with 15 million points instead of however many you are with a tape measure, right? Right. And you're done in 20 minutes, not not 20 hours. That is a huge time save, and I bet you that allows you to utilize your crew better and to put them in safer positions to deal with that data. Once you get that data, how are people translating that into meaningful outcomes? Well, we have standard outputs, you know, E57, LES, LEZ, DXF, PLY. So that can go into most software, most software platforms. 
So they'll bring it into Deswick. A lot of times I'll just use Cloud Compare. So now we're also, we're coming out with our new Aura software. So we're looking at volumetrics, good analytics on that side, where we can also process the data, just streamlining the process of data collection to meaningful outputs. It's fairly easy to bring stuff into third-party software platforms also. Fantastic. Having that workflow integration is so important when you're bringing in that data. You don't want to spend a lot of time having to transfer it into a format that actually works with your system. So that's fantastic. No, yeah, but the learning curve isn't very sharp on that one. For people that are familiar with these systems, it's fairly easy. And we're also doing local processing. So that's a big thing. We work in GPS denied environments a lot of the times. And so I can process a scan right there in the truck underground and have an output right there. I can show the mine engineer right then and there. You could fly a scope 10 minutes later, here's our output. That's fantastic. And being able to assess that data on site can make such a huge difference to what you're getting in the end product. Yeah, because yeah, you get a, almost a real time visualization of what is down there. That's a really big thing. What I really like about the platform is its modularity. I mean, you can have it on the drones or integrated for autonomous flights on some DJI products in the Ace Core Zoe. We're working on other things down the line. Our roadmap where we see the need for non-DGI drones. We're also working on integration on the Boston Dynamic Spot. But the unit itself, you don't have to have it on a platform. You can have it in a backpack, in your hand. It's the same unit switching from drone to vehicle to handheld to anything you can, you, what your imagination can stick the unit on, you're still going to get the same output, the same quality point files, no matter what it's on. We just came out with the new ST. So the older model, the 100, the ST is now IP65. So, you know, water resistant, there's austere environments that we're flying in, right? Yeah. So it's nice to have something that can resist dust and water. It's also the, uh, the LiDAR puck itself is angled down a little bit. So you can imagine like, your ankle, for example, like for forestry, instead of having that tight beam of LIDAR shooting straight out the front, it's angled more down towards the ground. So like in forestry, your angle of incidence on the LIDAR return, it's shooting through the canopy more so you can get more ground returns off that instead of just straight off, right? You're shooting out, out in the middle of nowhere. So that's nice. And we can, you know, the way it's angled, we get more view behind us also for that 360 degree field of view. Brilliant. So what is the coolest story you've heard about your technology being used for? That's a hard one. I am impressed with the creativity people use these things on. I mean, stick it on a cage, drop it down a shaft. I always like hearing stories of sending it out into places somebody has never been. Coming from um, kind of a mining background, that's what kind of captures my attention is, oh, we sent it down this shaft we sent it down this drift no one had been down there this is the data we got it's always fun i really enjoy looking at point clouds like there's one time we dropped it down a shaft and i was looking at the point clouds of a tin can down there at the bottom of a shaft 500 feet below wow that's super cool thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today i really appreciate your time hey thank you for having me on that's this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and will join us again for our next story from 400 feet. Until then, fly safe.